Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. From infrastructure to child care, politicians have found incredibly creative ways to score the bills and justify their policies. Dynamic scoring, in particular, has become a popular method used by both Democrats and Republicans to pay for their initiatives or to make it look like maybe they don't cost as much or maybe they're doing more than uh, than maybe they might. Uh, But the real question that we have to get to is this kind of scoring and this kind of approach to policy It's not going to make expensive programs any better. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. All right, we've really got to break this down in terms of what happens, and you often hear this term dynamic scoring uh, in relationship to policies, usually expensive or wide-ranging policies, including environmental policies uh, that the uh, current Congress is trying to move through. Uh, Phil Rossetti from the R Street Institute uh, says this is not a good idea because, again, dynamic scoring won't make expensive programs any better. Philip, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start with this idea of dynamic scoring. Give us just a real simple version of what that is and why that matters when we're assessing a particular piece of legislation. Yeah, so at its core, dynamic scoring And that when you implement a new policy, like a new tax, whether you're cutting a tax or raising a tax, that that's going to have some sort of secondary effect in the economy. So the big uh, debate in 2017 around dynamic scoring was, okay, if we're cutting corporate rates, that's going to increase economic activity. How much new revenue are you going to get from that uh, increased activity? And how much will that offset the cuts to the corporate rate? Uh, At its core, dynamic scoring is a good thing. We always want to be dynamically scoring because we want to be cognizant of the the full effects of a policy and understand that some taxes are more harmful than others, and and dynamic scoring accounts for that. Where it can run amok, though, is when people are not – when they try to apply it to everything and say, oh, we can just dynamically score this, and there's going to be so much growth from this, and it's not going to matter – and that was a, a something Republicans struggled with during 2017. Even their own economists had to rein them in from uh, two grandiose claims. And now we're seeing the Democrats are really struggling to pay for a big reconciliation bill. And they're 
going to the same toolbox and saying, hey, you know, can we dynamically score this? How much revenue are we going to get? Um, so it, it's a nuanced thing, but it's, uh, it, it's a good tool, but it has op- uh, opportunities to be abused. For sure, there's uh, all kinds of uh, opportunities for abuse there. And, and uh, often, if we, uh, you mentioned in, in uh, your piece that if we confine ourselves to estimating climate policy tax revenues, uh, then then we get into some really fuzzy math, uh, and we often overestimate what something might do, and then we get to claims of, oh, well, it costs nothing, or it's going to be a net positive uh, that really creates more confusion rather than clarity in terms of the policy or the program itself. Yeah, so it's important to always think about what is the role of government in any sort of policy that we're pursuing. Uh, government shouldn't just pursue policy for the sake of pursuing policy. It shouldn't just be getting bigger just to get bigger, it needs to identify a real policy need and a collective action problem that has to be addressed. Addressing that through the most efficient policy is important, but there needs to be some serious scrutiny of, hey, you know, we have a, a say, environmental problem. How are we going to mitigate this pollutant? Are we going to price it? Are we going to regulate it? Uh, what's the most effective way? And then from there, implementing and finding a pathway for those policies. Instead, what we're thing is there's this desire, this motivation to say, hey, we want to spend a lot of money on this. That's what we, you know, is going to show progress. And when they're starting to find that these policies are not the most effective or cost-effective policies, and they're not going to be uh, able to go through a, uh, what they call ordinary, uh, ordinary order, they have to go through a budget reconciliation process, they're really starting to run up into the budgetary uh, challenges. So that's you know, something where we, we want to make sure dynamic scoring is not uh, going to have an inflated uh, view because it's it's probably not going to get the revenue expected. It's, especially when I think about environmental issues like climate change, uh, only a small percentage of the benefits are going to be domestic, and then even smaller than that is going to be any increased revenue. Right, and uh, I know you've done a, a lot of analysis on this at, at R Street in in terms of everything from clean the clean electricity performance program, uh, a number of other programs where again, beyond just the, the math not quite adding, uh, it does kind of change our conversation where we need to be having very clear conversations in terms of what will this actually cost and what are the outcomes? What will it actually produce uh, so that we can actually get better policy in place uh, for the long haul? Right. Uh, so at our street, and we kind of estimate that in a perfect world where the uh, the Clean Electricity Performance Program, the uh, CPP, if it performed exactly as advertised, which we don't think is very likely, uh, and if it had its accompanying tax credit, the expanded production tax credit, we estimate that would be about $380 billion uh, and would reduce about 2.5 gigatons of carbon dioxide. In terms of revenue impacts, any sort of economic impact, the climate estimate, you know, that's going to be about $50 uh, per ton of benefit. Uh, and then we start to look at what is the domestic uh, benefit. It's going to be, uh, you know, about uh, $0.60 cents to, to $2 of uh, tax revenue increase per, per ton in the best-case scenario. So what that would amount to is that you could have this $380 billion program, and the increased revenue would be uh, $1.5 five billion dollars so you're looking at you know basically a half a percent to one and a half percent of the total cost being offset through dynamic scoring so it's 
good to dynamically score, but it is it is not going to be a silver bullet. And uh, if Democrats think that this is going to be something that's going to make all the the math balance out. Uh, they they really should uh, rein in those expectations. Yeah, great insight, great analysis as always. Uh, Philip Rossetti, uh, resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute in Washington, D.C. Philip, thanks for joining us today. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you for having me. So we're going to hear a lot of this as we continue to go down the path with these different uh, rec- with the reconciliation bill in particular. Uh, and what does this really mean? And I think the question we all have to get to is a a policy may raise money, uh, but that doesn't by default make it worthwhile and it doesn't necessarily produce the right outcome. So we have to assess that. We can't overestimate uh, how much revenue is coming in uh, just because we think it's a good thing. We have to look at it a little more realistically. We have to have different kinds of conversations if we're actually going to get to the best solution for the American people. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.